Good morning. Welcome to another conversation on the Worthy for 30 podcast. I am elated to introduce my next guest, uh, two individuals you may remember uh, on from previous conversations, Dan Reich and B.A. Van Sice. I'm uh, elated to introduce Congressman Josh Gottheimer of the 5th District here in New Jersey to talk about a very important issue, which is combating anti-Semitism. So what I want to do is I want to set the floor uh, with regards to why combating anti-Semitism is so important and why I want to make it a central pillar of this podcast platform. 2021, the Anti-Defamation League said that anti-Semitic attacks reached a record number. 22, 23, we're we're seeing an escalation in anti-Semitic rhetoric and attacks on the Jewish community. So the first question I want to ask uh, the panel, uh, starting with you, Congressman Gottheimer, is why, you know, for the people who are, who are listening at home, uh, who are eventually be listening at home, why should combating anti-Semitism be uh, an important issue for them to partake and to, to help the Jewish community combat it? Well, and for, well, thank you for uh, having me and, and everyone else here I, and I'm bringing up this topic because I think the, the number one reason, whether you're Jewish or not Jewish, is dealing with hate and division in the country. And whether you, regardless of if you're a Jewish American who's been targeted in the past, with, as you pointed out, anti-Semitism at its highest levels on record around the country, hate levels at uh, some of the highest records we've ever recorded in the country, you know, and where I'm from in New Jersey, the second highest uh, anti-Semitic incidents last year in the country. So it's out there. The problem is that it bleeds over to, if, if you're targeting Jews today, it's unfortunately every other minority tomorrow, and uh, or vice versa. And we've seen in the last years, as you know, with social, with the explosion of social media, and of course cable news, and just general smaller micro people living in smaller microcosms, um, people being fed information all day long to rile them up. Um, we've we've seen this explosion of hate, which then, of course, uh, spills over to every other part of society, uh, and it leads to a general. Uh, division in the country, that the only people who win are, are frankly the government of China who and Russia, who literally spend every day looking for ways to divide us up so that we attack one another uh, instead of coming together as a country and getting things done that we need to get done as a country um, and making people feel less safe. If you're Irish, uh, right, you and an Irish Catholic being attacked the same way that Jewish Americans or Muslims or or um, Obviously, black or Latinos can be attacked in, in the same way. So that's that's why I think all of us have to address Thank you. And, and Dan, uh, from, from your perspective, again, why, why should, again, the listeners at home really uh, help help the Jewish community, again, combat anti-Semitism? I totally agree with everything a congressman said. It's like uh, anti-Semitism, racism. I mean, there's they're all cousins and branches of the same tree. But the, the, thing, is, the thing all of these issues have in common is it disrupts the moral fiber of, of community and in, a, in our case, the country. And when that happens, just everything breaks down and you can't have a productive society that gets anything done because we're too busy hating each other and uh, pursuing acts of violence and anti-Semitism. So I, I totally agree. It is um, like this is the single biggest issue that if, if solved, I think sets the stage for a country that could be productive and and good again for lack of a better word excellent and, and ba you know again you have a unique perspective you recently came out with a book invited to life you've received some some hate mail in response to that uh because of of uh of this book and and your work love to get your perspective as well so fundamentally i think that it's important for the general public and again i, I make work for general public 
I think it's important because it's, it's symptomatic of a larger function. You know, Jews are 1% of the population less, uh, but you're talking about the same causation that you see as the congressman mentioned with every single group you could talk about. It, it always comes back to, to othering. And so fundamentally, whenever you are allowed to other some group, make them villains, make them scapegoats, it is an entryway to every single other group. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with, with congressmen. There's a lot of folks chasing around the Irish, but certainly if you're talking about people who practice Islam in this country, people who are of any of a number of adjectives in this country, it's indicative of sort of these larger forces that always come back to othering and lack of education. Gotcha. All right. Again, again, thank you for, for again, for, for setting the tone for this conversation. Congressman, with regards to combating anti-Semitism, I know the White House, uh, specifically President Biden, has made combating anti-Semitism uh, a top priority uh, for his administration. Uh, he assembled a task force at the end of 22 to combat anti-Semitism. If you were to put yourself in the White House's shoes, not just pre- uh, President Biden, what does success look like in year one from your perspective? Well, I think when the White House brings people together, it's to really take on an all-of-government approach, right? What are all the instruments we can bring to bear to fight hate and anti-Semitism. Um, we've seen, as we've talked about, with an explosion of incidents, uh, both online and in communities near the one I live in, uh, in a recent Molotov cocktail at a, a synagogue. But that's just, unfortunately, one of uh, a weekly incident I hear about of swastikas. And um, I, I'm sure you all read about these incidents as well. And BA, what I mean by Irish Catholics, I mean like the general, there's just comments Comments that are made, glib comments that are made, things that are made against any community online, it, it you know, breeds over to and people feel more comfortable. You know, the things that I see on my social media page uh, when I look at the comments, um, which I tend to avoid. But the, num- the number we, I really only see when there's a real actionable threat. Yeah. And that's unfortunately way too often, you know, and people just throw out things like comments about Benjamins and, you know, stop, you know, why you want to go back to Israel and, you know, you work for the United States, not Israel. Those kind of comments just become, unfortunately, people get numb to them and become acceptable. Or they don't believe in the Holocaust and make comments about that as well. Um, and, and what I worry about, just like other ta- communities have been targeted, and I think this is the White House's broad mission, is to what are there things we can be doing from an education perspective in communities with law enforcement and making sure um, uh, or investigations that we're, we're bringing all these pieces and different groups to the table to have a smart conversation about what we can do. Uh, gotcha. And, and again, it, it's that education. It's really about that one-to-one at a grassroots level. How do we educate? How do we extinguish ignorance by, again, making the proactive uh, choice to have these conversations, to bring people together who may not know you know, that some of these you know, tropes about uh, about Jews are are used as a, as a baton as, uh, for, again, for vitriol and for hate. You know, go, and with regards to anti-Semitic attacks, Congressman, you mentioned a temple near Tamid, which is in my backyard in Bloomfield, uh, where there was a failed Molotov cocktail attack. And it's funny, I was talking to BA and Dan before this, uh, before we recorded. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, anti-Semitism, you know, we talk about anti-Semitism and it really is in the periphery and it's, and it won't happen in my neighborhood, right? Uh, yes, we need to we need to work uh, work against it, but it's, it, it hasn't happened to me, so it's you know not a, a mainstream or uh, mainstream conversation yet. But again, this this uh, this Molotov cocktail again again woke me up a little bit more than I already am about the dangers of letting anti-Semitism fester. 
You met with uh, with Rabbi Katz, uh, Temple Leadership, and what was interesting in your press release that I read is that I ask everyone to please stay vigilant and continue to look out for one another. It's up to you to stand up and fight back against this drastic and dangerous rise in anti-Semitism. So, what is like? How do you envision, Congressman, the the listeners at home uh, with regards to those words about again combating anti-Semitism at a, at a grassroots level? Well, I think the the vigilance point, Eric. You know, and un, unfortunately, you got to keep your eyes open uh, in general, whether you're at shul or whether mm-hmm. you're just in your neighborhood. And make sure that we're, and again, not just targeted at Jews, but against any group, if you see, and uh, are threats, just make sure you flag them and, and for law enforcement. And they, you know, in the case, thank God, in the, the temple, like a lot of our temples mm-hmm. and a lot of religious institutions, the support that we've given on nonprofit security grants have taken measures like protecting doors and, and cameras and ballasts and others, uh, which I th- and other measures which I think are critically important at our at our religious institutions for to protect religious, religious freedom and protect our students and young people at parochial schools, right? Those are all things mm-hmm. we need to do. And, but, and, but we just all have to, do, unfortunately, just after, if you remember after 9-11, we kept our eye, everyone just felt at a heightened alert. I think we're at a moment here in our history where we've got to have a heightened alert and watch out what people say on social media and what they target. And, you know, there's one thing about a free expression and a whole mm-hmm. other thing when you cross the line. And it's hard. You see these incidents that happen and you, you write and you think, oh, if I just should I was there a sign that I should have paid attention to? You know, listen, it's very hard to know. And we're not I'm not from law enforcement. I'm not in law enforcement. I, I don't know all the signs, but there's things that you see a flag on and we have to just we have to look out for one another. And, and I know law enforcement in ways that they never have had to him before. And it's overwhelming. If you look at the threat mm-hmm. level at the Capitol and like the number of threats that are, are targeted a year gone from a few hundred to several to, to eight or 10,000 a year, right? I mean, just in, in the last few years when people now feel like it's a free-for-all to say what you want. Uh, and that, that's okay, all. Okay, excellent, that's what excellent. I mean, right? Again, just re- remaining vigilant. Again, if you if you see something, you know, yeah, using using New York City uh, subway parlance, say something. Because uh, again, you, you don't know if, if someone's going to follow through on that threat. Again, uh, thank you, Congressman. BA, uh, w- with regards to the, the Petapixel uh, article that you recently wrote about the hate mail that you received, how, again, based on that, uh, based on the, the again the 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 content of, of the hate mail that you received, one, can you can you at least at a high level provide us with a glimpse on of what what the tenor is, and two, why you're again you're 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 taking this extremely seriously, even though that a, a lot of this again hate mail is just um, for, random uh, as you as you will. Um, so yeah, love to again get your perspective. I'll try. I, I know that everyone's time is a little brief today, so I'll be as quick as I can with it. You know, since the, the book came out, I've received about two dozen pieces of hate mail, some of it threatening, some of it's death threats, some of it's just crazy stuff. And again, I did not make a particularly salacious title. I, I wrote a book about the American lives of Holocaust survivors. Uh, just so happened that it piqued the interest of some white supremacists because I have a name that does not particularly read Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so I've been receiving a lot of mail uh, regarding it. I treat it seriously. I've reported to museums that I work with, et cetera. But I fundamentally also, you know, the congressman was talking about the idea that you do get a little inured to it. And you know, he only really engages with it when it becomes something that's really serious. I've gotten a couple that are really frightening, and I engage with those. Uh, but for the most part, the thing that makes me think about a lot, uh, more than anything else really, is about the idea of education on the topic. I do a lot of work with museums. I do a lot of work with Jewish and Holocaust museums. I've been to 
what I'm going to call secondary and tertiary market museums, where they have to devote a lot of their floor space to the basic educational premise of, well, welcome to our museum group of school kids in Kansas. Let's start with what is a Jew, which is something that if you're outside of these sort of primary markets or places where there's big populations, you're not aware of. So fundamentally, when I get this mail, the first thing I always think of is not, is not necessarily, are they going to hurt me? Because if they were going to hurt me, they wouldn't have written to me first. My first question is, how would this person have benefited if perhaps they had gotten a little more education about, well, what is this topic? Why, why is a book about how Jews are Americans not an offensive idea? Why is a book about how American plurality and inclusion is not an offensive idea? So for me, it always comes back to not necessarily being afraid of these folks, but wishing something better for them or for the, the folks who come after them. I, I think it's a problem you can get ahead of in a country that has a robust infrastructure and can restart these conversations through educational initiatives. Excellent. Again, thank you. It's, it's all, all about education. I, I know. I, I sense the congressman has a thought. <laughs> no, no, I, I apologize. I, I unfortunately have to go. I think I was, I think you hit the nail on the head and, you know, on the education piece, like well, I've got the HEAL Act, which is a piece of legislation to make sure that we actually teach, we figure out, are we teaching about the Holocaust nationally? What are we teaching? An audit, right? Because as you know, in a lot of places, just mentioning the Holocaust checks the box saying yeah. Holocaust, the word Holocaust, now you're done, right? So, you know, are you actually teaching about it? In a lot of places, a lot of places around the country, there is zero mention of it. And then as we get further and further away from people who are from survivors, we know what happens in terms of people questioning it, questioning the facts, not even knowing what it is. Um, and then you see the ramifications of what could happen. That I, I unfortunately have to go uh, to committee, but uh, Eric, yes. I'd love to see you again. And, and Dan and VA, thank you so much for what you do. I, I apologize. I'm so sorry about today. To, to totally understand. Thank you, Congressman. <laughs> so, yeah. So Dan, you know, speaking about education, uh, educating again, again, again about Judaism, about the Jewish existence, about the Holocaust. That's something, of course, that's, uh, that's near and dear, uh, based on uh, your and your family's uh, recent renaming of your your Jewish day school, uh, where you uh, grew up, that's Solomon Schechter School down in Mar Marlboro, New Jersey. Do you, do you want to speak to, or can you speak to, you know, what, what B.A. was saying in terms of how the, the, the Jewish day school, down, that's Solomon Schechter down in, in Marlboro, is going to uh, make it a priority to equip the students with, with knowledge on how to uh, combat some of the, the ignorance, which uh, is the cause for some of the anti-Semitism around the country. Yeah, sure. I think if you if you look over history and you study all of the these events that you know look and feel like the Holocaust, whether it be the Holocaust, um, genocide in Rwanda, and so on, they all kind of follow a similar pattern, which is there is a disruption and delocation in the economy for some reason. There is a person or persons that pit groups against one another and typically chooses a scapegoat. They dehumanize those people with uh, stereotypical tropes. And once that dehumanization kicks in, then the physical erosion and harm becomes a hell of a lot easier. And, and that, that's like, again, that pattern exists throughout all of history for, for these situations. And so, the way you, I think, combat any of those things is with information. And there's, you know, two ways to think about information, or good or bad information. One is more of it, more free speech, more education, more awareness. And the other is censorship and the suppression of ideas and information. And I think 
you know, over a long enough time period, what's proven to be true is that like suppression of ideas doesn't go get very far. And instead what happens is a, a lot of kind of whack-a-mole. You know, you, you take some of the big tech platforms, what they've done over the past few years as an example of trying to censor things. Well, they don't really go away. They just fester. And, and in fact, I think in some cases it's worse because now these ideas go to dark corners of the earth and manifest and become even bolder and more emblazoned and come back in a in bigger, scarier kind of form. So I don't know that like censorship per se is the right idea. I do think and believe instead education is, is the right idea. I mean, we just touched on this, but there's plenty of people around the country and world that in the case of anti-Semitism and and, and Jews, like people don't know what a Jew is. They don't know what the Holocaust is. They don't know um, what it is all about. They don't have those facts. And I believe if more people did have that information, then I think a lot of the issues we see today, whether it be anti-Semitism or racism, whatever, would not be as bad. And I think it's human nature to be afraid of what you don't understand and to look for scapegoats at the point. But I think ultimately more light kind of cures darkness, right? And I think that comes in the form of education. And so, yeah, part of why I got more involved in, in the Jewish day school that I grew up in is like kids are the future, um, not just in Judaism, but forever, mm -hmm. right? And so the more we can equip kids at a young age with history and, and things that have happened, um, the more equipped they are to ensure it doesn't happen again. And um, I think that's really where it has to start is with education and with kids. And if, if, if not just kids, but really, really everybody. So the, the legislation that Congressman was talking about in terms of ensuring that this education happens more ubiquitously, I think is fantastic and necessary because without it, then you're going to have a lot of very uneducated, very ignorant people um, just regurgitating the same old tropes and stereotypes that when you click the fast forward button and you layer on what's happening in the economy and dislocation and so on, to me, it's very easy to see and imagine never again being again. And I know people don't like believe that it's true, but history rhymes and repeats itself. And we know this for fact and for certain. Um, and again, so I think the way you combat that is with education and that's something that's important that we need more of. Excellent. And Yes, please. If I can add to that a little bit, you know, talking about the idea of education, I think that it's important. So I think there's two aspects of education that are important to this. The first is the one that Dan was just talking about, which is the idea that kids at the Jewish day school uh, that he's affiliated with learn about what's happened in the past, try and avoid it for the future, know to be vigilant against it. I think the second part of it is the opposite of that, which is the the person who is going to school in some little town in Nebraska. You know, the mail that I get, it's not coming from kids who went to the Jewish day school. It's coming from people who live in Hot Springs, Arkansas. It's coming from folks who live in Georgia. It's coming from folks who live in Yemen. It's coming from places where they are not familiar with these stories from an insider's perspective. And what's really important is this is a pattern we've seen not just with Jews, but with many different groups throughout the history of the universe. The humans are tribal, right? And the easiest sale to make in the entire world is your problems are their fault and pick some nebulous they. And not knowing the they is really important to the situation. 
if you know a lot of Mexican Americans, they're no longer Mexicans. They're no longer illegals. They're suddenly Pete and George and whatever, whatever it might be. They're, they become people. Fundamentally, if you are just viewing it through the lens of there's this, this evil cabal of Jews hanging out at the bagel store <laughs> plotting the destruction of the universe, it's not really going to seem that far-fetched to you because you don't really know what that history is about. You don't know what those people are about. And I say those because they still remain them to you. You know, I just finished doing this where I actually think that most of the angry mail I got was because I told the stories as American stories. I didn't tell them particularly as Jewish stories. I didn't tell them particularly as other stories. Uh, the word Jewish doesn't appear a ton. The word Holocaust doesn't appear a ton. It's all about how these folks came to America. Uh, they chose the harder path of citizenship in life. They picked a place where they were aliens, they were strangers in a strange land, and they, they became really the definition of what Americans can be. And that's the threatening concept. The threat is when the others cease to be othered. And that is something that you do through education. It's the only way. It's about taking those kids who are in X town or Y village and introducing them to Holocaust survivors, introducing them to, well, what is Judaism about? What is Islam about? What do what do Muslims contribute to America? What do Mexicans contribute to America? What do Jews contribute to America? That's where it becomes the the idea of America that threatens these folks. Because fundamentally, if you grow up thinking something perhaps differently than than your parents did or your grandparents did, that starts to change things. You know. Yeah. So I, if I get one thought down, I just want to point out that that. Eric and I grew up together. That's how we know each other. And we grew up in a kind of a really working class neighborhood where I guarantee you most of the folks that we grew up around don't think the way that we do no. at all. And that is because, and I could name them and I won't, that is because of education. That's because we were taught differently. So that's that's where I think the, the, the real chance for progress is. I'm sorry for cutting you off, Dan. Yeah, no, it's a really great point because like what you're getting at is this idea of education and demystifying who these people are, what they're about, how they think. And, you know, I agree with you. It's, it's like option D all of the above in terms of combating this, but just as an example, just yesterday I was at the school, we were doing a dedication ceremony, donating a, an ambu cycle to United Hot Cellar. It's Israel's emergency response first response, first responder uh, division. That's fully completely based on volunteers and they're global. And so when the, earthquakes happened in Turkey and Syria, they deployed many first responders over there to help uh, rescue folks. They sent many chartered private jets to fly people to be first on scene. And, you know, there's a video I saw of uh, uh, a Syrian person who is saying, you know, Allah Akbar, um, thank God the, the Jews are here helping us, which in terms of stereotypes, I think many people, when they hear that, would think this is something that is said before Jews are being attacked or, or, or killed, and it's portrayed that way often in, in even movies. But when you have people out there in the real world doing real work for good, then I think that experience firsthand helps to demystify who you know these people, these Jewish people are. And like most humans, I believe most humans are good people, but just 
when you don't have that exposure or education to others that don't look and feel like us, it's very easy to think of everybody as bad or different or as spooky. And so again, you know, that's why I think education to, to Dia's point, not just with the Jewish groups, but exposure and education to the people that don't know about it are both equally important and critical for any of us to get better or improve. I mean, I've been a journalist for 22 years. I've been to 102 countries and people are like all over the things that fathers in Syria want and fathers uh, in Jewish families in Jerusalem want are the exact same things. It's true. It's true everywhere. The differences between people aren't really that large where they grow large is when people are told that they're different. When they're told that somebody wants something very different from what you want. When somebody has unlimited greed and unlimited X or Y or Z, when in reality folks want a life that's a little easier tomorrow than it was yesterday. They want their kids to have comfort and safety. They want the, for the water to come out of the faucet. You know, that's what people want. And what they're, nobody's really waking up and going, oh, well, today I really want to go and bomb X, Y, and Z. Something drives them to that point. Yeah, it's hundred percent true. Again, it it's it's rooted in in uh, in at least it starts in ignorance. But again, once we make make that mm-hmm. proactive uh, attempt to educate, at least on a hopefully on a, on a one to one basis on you know who these again demystifying. I think that's the word that Dan used uh, to to speak to VA's point. Demystify who these people are and, and understand that there's a lot more similar than different. Then you know th- there's more harmony. There's more of we're in this together instead of actually you're the you're the root cause of why I'm X Y Z, why I feel slighted, why I feel disenfranchised, mm-hmm. why I feel marginalized here in society, mm-hmm. which which is unfortunate. You know, again, to BA's point, everyone uh, more or less you ask you know people from different groups you know what they want. Again, it's going to sound ver- uh, uh, um, more or less the same. You know, I have a, a similar aspirations. I want the family. I want the job. I want, want to be educated. I want to give my kids what I didn't have or give them a better life. Um, so I, I think it starts, especially, you know, anti-Semitism. Again, this broader conversation, which I love that we're having is, it, yes, it's anti-Semitism, which is, which is part and parcel, you know, a hatred towards a group, the Jews, but there's also uh, animus towards other groups. Uh, it, it all uh, it all starts to get this this foundation of of being able to educate who these people are uh, and uh, how they're not and again how they're not so different. I think is, is um, it, it terribly important, uh, and I appreciate the, the congressman's um, the sponsoring of the Heal Act to make you know Holocaust education wherever you live in the United States uh, mandatory. And it's not just again checking the box; it's really understanding uh, what the Holocaust is about and and who it affected and impacted. I know we're we're running up on time. We'd love to, you know, get your both of your parting, let's say, words and in terms of encouragement, you know, from this conversation for the people who are listening at home on how they can help. Uh, I know we've we've talked about ways of of combating anti-Semitism, and again, it's more that broader. Uh, how do we prevent uh, and stem out or stamp out uh, a hatred where in, in all its forms? So I'd love to start with you, Dan, you know, just based on your experience, what, what have you found to be most successful? You know, again, you mentioned education, but are, are there any other sort of strategies that you would suggest? Yeah, I think for me, actions speak louder than words, but certainly words matter. There are plenty of people that uh, I look, uh, that I follow and admire on social media who are basically like social media warriors combating anti-Semitism online. And I've actually supported a bunch of them because I think that's necessary. But then, um, you know, then there's, other more uh, not more active other ways to participate for example uh, 
donating to and getting involved with like United Hatzalah to not only save lives, but have the world see that Jewish people are people that are genuinely trying to do good in the world. I think organizations like that are getting involved with them is, you know, is great. And there are tons of them out there. So I think doing something is way better than doing nothing. And if, if everybody, Jews, non-Jews included, for, for any anything combating hate racism, uh, if people can just do one thing, one way to get involved, you add all of those things up, and I think it's a pretty meaningful full difference. And it starts with conversations like these to hopefully encourage others to get more active, however Excellent. they see fit. Excellent. BA? I say this with the huge asterisk of having published four or five days ago a giant editorial about how I get hate mail every day. But I generally am optimistic, again, with that asterisk, because I agree with something that Martin King said years ago, which is that the arc of the, of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. And we now live in a time where the world grows smaller daily. We live in a time where everybody gets to have an opinion. We don't have to agree with them. Everyone's talking all the time. They're making 140 character analysis of the universe at all time. And I think fundamentally that sort of open conversation, even if it invites in bad actors, even if it invites in plenty and plenty of idiots, also gives a forum for folks who know better. And I think that's, that's really, really important. You know, I have uh, a person who sort of been keeping track of the social media stuff that's gone on me lately, and most of it's positive. Some of it's very negative, most of it's very positive. I think that's true probably for any topic if you're talking about anti-Semitism, right? You're always going to get a few idiots who are going, oh, well, you know, the people we put in parentheses, the vague yarmulke-wearing evil bots of the world, well, they're, they're out there. But also there's lots of folks who are saying, well, actually, no, let's talk about that because the guy who lives next door to you is also Jewish and he's a nice guy and you let, you let his wife babysit your kids sometimes. You know, fundamentally, that is the larger conversation. You're also seeing, you know, uh, more positive uh, or I'm going to depictions of Jewish culture in, in, in media. And by media, I don't mean the news. I mean things like Marvel's Mrs. Maple, right? We're talking about these these larger conversations again as being stories that are sort of contemporary to our culture and closer to us than they'd ever been before it's not this unapproachable thing i you know uh marvelous mason is coming out very soon as i understand it i happened to watch the other day uh the jazz singer with al jolson the very first talkie and it's an incredibly jewish story there's cantors and there's rabbis and it happened it opens with them singing kol nidre and it has yom kippur at both ends of it and we've gotten from these sort of esoteric fetishist depictions to being it's the person next door who, who works the comedy circuit. And I, I think that's a really important uh, distinction that's happened in the culture. Generally speaking, we are othering people less and giving agency more and more to folks that we're depicting. And that's true also for, for, for Jewish folks. So even if that education that I want, that you want, isn't happening uh, as fast quickly as we'd want it, fundamentally, they're still getting educated in other ways. So, sorry, a thousand words I could have used too, but fundamentally, I remain cautiously optimistic. Dan, do you share that same sentiment? Fundamentally optimistic or cautiously fundamentally optimistic? Yeah, I think all humans are generally and genuinely good, good people, but that, you know, that takes work. It takes education and work. And if you're complacent, then 
really bad things that we've seen before can happen all over again. I think, Eric, you notice my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. When I had conversations with them about their experience when they were living in Poland, it was really no different than our lives today, right? There was a temperature that was rising in terms of anti-Semitism and rhetoric from, um, from a group of people in a country, not even their own. But everything was fine and well until literally one day it was not. And then one day their country was invaded. And, you know, my grandfather was rounded up by SS officers who, and he thankfully escaped what he found out later was a, a Nazi death march. And the 10 others that he was marching with, he found dead in a ditch, executed, gunned to their heads. He would have never, and I know it's because he's told me, would never fathom that could have happened ever, even with all of the politics that were happening in Germany. And yet it did. And so if we're not vigilant and if we are complacent, then yeah, certainly those things can happen, but on balance and on margin, you know, I think to be his point, I think we're all generally good people. We all have the same hopes, dreams, and wishes that every other human does. And more of that needs to be highlighted and focused on. And I think the more that that happens, um, the less the other negative stuff happens. And, and by the way, that there's a role to play here in terms of government and politics too, which is why you know if you look at elections all over the world, I think people with good moral character and are, and are real leaders that can be uniters and not dividers makes a big difference because it adds to the national and global rhetoric that uh, people latch onto. So in short, I'm genuinely optimistic. Mm -hmm. Genu gen again, genuinely or and, and generally optimistic, cautiously optimistic. I can, I can, you know, share in that sentiment, you know, to build on, on, on Dan's point, you know, just remaining vigilant, you know, not allowing some of these, uh, the, this, this particular conversation and the topic of, of, of racism and hatred to, to fall to the periphery. Uh, even though it's not happening, per perhaps in your backyard, it's still very important. You know, we're 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 a community. Um, we look out for one another. We're we're, we're humans. Again, we, we share again similar again aspirations, dreams, goals, hopes, uh, and I ho and hopefully coming out of this conversation for the people at home who are going to be watching. Uh, I hope uh, I'm confident that you're taking away some some key insights on how you can join uh, this conversation and again making it uh, or moving it from the periphery to to the fore um, as an important conversation to have, uh, whether that's on social media or whether that's happening in, at, at the dinner table. Uh, I think uh, we can we can all I hopefully we can all agree that social media, unfortunately, uh, has uh, created an echo chamber, has put people in, in opposite corners at times. Um, but, you know, having these types of conversations, you know, hopefully breaks uh, that echo chamber to understand that there are, again, people that you may not interact with online who are, are no different than you. Um, so again, I appreciate Dan and MBA's uh, time this morning, uh, Congressman Gottheimer for his time and for his insights and sharing some of the, you know, firsthand experience of, um, you know, of the legislation that he's pushing forward to, again, help uh, with Holocaust uh, education across the United States to, you know, using Dan's word to make it more ubiquitous. So Dan, BA, again, th thank you very much. And, you know, this conversation will go live sure. uh, shortly. Um, call notes in terms of where to follow Dan B.A. and Congressman Gottheimer, um, as well as your organization like uh, United Hatzalah. 
where you can find out more information if you want to get involved. I'll include some other uh, organizations <clears throat> that, again, are, are part of this fight against anti-Semitism or combating anti-Semitism. So, again, uh, great conversation, and we'll talk to everyone soon. Mm-hmm.